All right. We've used the word. Good song. <laughs> so some of you wanted to tap, clap, dance, do other things. But uh, it's been fun noticing the reaction once the title to today's uh, message went out. Are you smarter than a than a fool? Someone asked me, why didn't I say, are you smarter than a, than a fifth grader? Well, um, that's that's fifth grade. That's getting up there. And when you think about what it really means to be a fool, that's 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 staying way way down there. Um, you know, and the truth is, people take a lot of foolish risks, make a lot of foolish decisions, and they pay for it, and other people pay for it. Um, last January, not not this immediate one, but a year ago, up in Chicago, there were some uh, young tourists from Minneapolis in their 20s walking along the the River Walk. You know, you have the river and the bridge, and just outside of that is Lake Michigan, and and uh, the river was partially frozen over. And they were out walking on that on, on the, the river walk next to the railing, looking at the river, taking photographs with their phone cameras. And and uh, one of them, who was 23 years old, accidentally dropped his camera, his his phone, and it fell over the railing, landed on the ice. And he climbed over the railing to get down on the ice to retrieve his cell phone, and and fell through that partially frozen river into the frigid waters. His girlfriend climbed over to try to help him, and she fell in as well. And when she was splashing around in that frigid water, and when hypothermia sets in really, really quick in that kind of temperature, she was screaming, and a a third guy who was with him, a, a friend of both of them, he climbed over to help them, and he fell in as well. He was the only one that managed to survive. The first guy who dropped his phone and, and his girlfriend both died. And the survivor on his Facebook page wrote this. Listen to what he said. Life's too short. I hope no one would ever have to go through something so unfortunate such as what happened to us. Now, a lot of times people will make foolish decisions in a moment because we don't do a good job always of evaluating the risk, evaluating the circumstance, evaluating priorities. And we don't see the big picture, and we don't think long-term, and we, and we don't always place uh, the appropriate value on, on things and on people. And, and so we make some really bad and unfortunate decisions. And think, think about this year, two people dead over a cell phone. Now, I would say that was a foolish decision, wouldn't you, to climb over the railing on a partially frozen river midnight in January in Chicago. And uh, he paid for it. But the, um, the things we do that are, that are dumb or foolish or whatever word you want to use, and by the way, for those of you who still like Dick, just not certain about using that word. I'm going to show you in a moment. The Bible uses it quite a bit, actually. Um, so I'm going to take my leave from that and, and use the word. That A lot of things that we do that are foolish, it's, it's not just decisions we make. Being foolish a lot of times has to do with things that we just ignore, don't pay any attention to, don't think about. Being foolish sometimes has to do with uh, putting off or delaying things until it's too late or it's more challenging than it needed to be to deal with them. I spent the month of January here at First Baptist in a series of sermons titled Living Life Without Regrets, and we looked at 
regrets people feel when they get to the end of life. There was a survey done of Americans age 60 and older asking them, what are some of the things that you wish you had done differently or done better to prepare for this final season, this final chapter of life? And the top answers are listed there on the screen. I know you may not be able to read all of that, but the number one answer given was they wish they had saved more money. Number two was they wish they had taken better care of their health. Number three, wish they had made better investments. Number four, they and this one surprised me, they wish they had kept their legal documents more organized. Um, the next one, wish they had stayed closer to their family. Next was uh, wish they had worked longer. Uh, for all of you looking forward to retirement, remember that. And uh, then the, another one was wish they had planned to live in, in the home, in a home that is better for aging and so on. But as I started digging into the research, what, what the conclusion I came to was that the regrets most Americans age 60 and older have when they, you know, they look back at life and where they are right now and say, man, I really wish I'd done some things differently. Those regrets tend to fall into certain categories. Financial regrets. Bad decisions when it comes to money and spending and preparing for retirement and saving and, and understanding how to deal with money and how to manage money. That's the biggest regret that most older Americans have is they wish they had done a better job dealing with finances. They had learned more. Another one is in the area of uh, what I would call health issues, taking care of yourself. Because you reach a certain point when your body is broken down and there's really not much you can do and you could have prevented some of that and it was really interesting we have one Sunday here where we just focused on that whole issue and had a doctor up here and I interviewed and we had these photographs of what your lungs look like if you smoke and how it's compared to when it doesn't and all of that and <laughs> it was gross uh, I wish I probably should have showed that to some of you today but anyway health issues and then the third category that people tend to regret when they get to the end of life and look back over how they've lived is relationships relationships with members of their family, and not just their immediate family, their spouse and so on, but with their, their extended family, siblings and parents and, and those that they grew up with. They, they lose contact or conflict develops and they don't deal with it, and so those relationships are severed and, and they live lonely lives. And, and to those of you who are younger, you consider yourself younger, a word to the wise, pay attention to the people who are closer to death than birth. And if the people who are closer to death than birth are saying, these are the things we regret, these are the, 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 the decisions we made and the things that we ignored, etc. and man, if we could live again, we would do these things differently, pay attention to that because there's some wisdom in that. And to ignore the life experiences of those who've lived decades, when you're younger, to ignore that is really a, a foolish attitude. Because if you're not careful, you'll end up over here at the end of your life looking back and you'll have the same regrets. And you didn't have to. Because there were people out here with a big bullhorn yelling, warning, 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 pay attention, listen, warning. So you don't have to head down that same same path. Um, I did a little more digging into some studies that psychologists and others had done and they grouped some studies. And in addition to the things I mentioned, there were a lot of regrets that people who were older have when it came to things like education, not, not getting more education or not uh, really working hard at doing a good job when they were in school because they realized later that it had an impact on their career and their lifestyle and ability to provide for their families. And while there are exceptions, the norm is education does correlate to quality of living. 
And so a lot of people have those kind of regrets. A lot of relationships, romance regrets people. There, there are a lot of people in America who regret asking someone to marry them or or regret saying I do when someone did ask them to marry them because they, you know, they made a quick decision, they made an emotional decision, it wasn't well thought through, and they ended up in a really bad marriage. A lot of regrets like that, and a lot of parents end up regretting that they didn't spend more time with their kids. And that's a challenge because we're in a busy culture with work and so on. So I just want to get all that out there. To say that, that's what the social research tells us. These are the kind of things people regret and wish they could do differently if they could live life again. Well, Jesus talked about people who lived like a wise person and contrasted that with people who lived like a fool. His words. And one of the things Jesus said is found in the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament in chapter 7, verse 24. So listen listen to this. Jesus said, everyone who hears these words of mine, so the people who listen to what I'm saying, Jesus says, and acts on them. So you hear what Jesus said, and then you do something with it. You act on it. He said, maybe compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, the first thing you do with a house when you're building is, is the foundation. So they built their house on a good foundation on the rock, and the rain fell, the floods came, winds blew and it slammed against that house and yet the house did not fall for it had been founded on the rock so Jesus said people who listen to what Jesus says and then they act on it it's like somebody who builds the house on a, on a good foundation and it stands up against the storms of life then Jesus added but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them the person who hears what Jesus says and then doesn't follow through with it doesn't obey it doesn't pay any attention to it just ignores it doesn't act on it Jesus said that person is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand, like the ones on the screen. And the rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So Jesus is saying a wise person listens to him and acts on it, builds their house on a good foundation, their life. The foolish person, Jesus said, just you may hear things that Jesus said. You may, you may hear this message and then leave here and change nothing in your life. And Jesus said that's, that's how a foolish person acts. It's like building your house on the sand and the storms of life are going to knock it down. Sooner or later, life catches up with us. So I want to show you real quickly some Bible verses that talk about wisdom and foolishness, those who are wise and those who are fools, and, and ask you to kind of maybe do a little self-inventory, if you will. And uh, how do these verses relate to you? What do they, what do they say to you? And how much, how, how much do these verses from Scripture about fools and wise people, how do they relate to what the social research says? Because I, you know, I just gave you that broad overview of what social research says people regret in life. Well, let's see how that relates to what the Bible says and, and, and how it relates to our lives today. In Proverbs chapter 18, we're going to go through these real quickly, okay? Proverbs 18, verse 2, A fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. In other words, he's a know-it-all, and if he doesn't know it, he fakes it. You know anybody like that? Uh, maybe you are like that, uh, an expert on every subject, and not very teachable not very open to someone mentoring them and teaching them, you know, not necessarily really into learning because it doesn't matter. 
I'm just going to talk. I can talk my way through it. I, I know enough. The Bible says that's a fool. I didn't say that. God did. Okay. All right, Proverbs 18, verse 6. Here we go. Fool's lip brings strife, and his mouth calls for blows. You know, we've we got a lot of policemen here today. You ever watch those cop shows on TV? A whole lot of people would not go to jail if they just learned how to shut up. Right, guys? But the Bible says some people, they just, they're going to stir up trouble. You put them in a situation and they're going to exacerbate it. They're going to make it worse. Their mouth is just going to go and go and go. And, and after a while, there's conflict, there's strife, there's, there's problems. Now, that gets into relationships. One of the reasons some couples just don't know how to have a great marriage is this thing called the mouth, the tongue. Proverbs 29, verse 11. A fool always loses his temper, but a wise man holds it back. Are you a quick-tempered person? Do you get mad easily? You see, well, the, the, the problem is when you, when you get mad quickly, when you get mad easily, what happens? We end up doing things we regret. We end up saying things we regret. And so it damages relationships. It might get us in trouble at work or with the boss. It might get us in trouble with a cop or whatever. I mean, when you have a temper, you more often than not end up regretting what you do because you're angry. And so the Bible says the wise man understands that. He sees the risk, and he, and he doesn't just give full vent to all of his anger. He learns how to process it appropriately. Ecclesiastes. 7, 9, next verse. Do not be eager in your heart to be angry, for anger resides in the bosom of fools. Connected to the previous verse. So if, if, if don't, don't keep justifying, well, that's just how I am, and it's okay. Because it's not okay. It's going to cause problems for you. Next verse, Proverbs 14, verse 16. Proverbs 14, verse 16. A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. Now, we all know from medical research that the brain develops as we age. And one of the challenges for teenagers is that part of the brain that helps them with making good decisions and assessing risk is not fully developed. And that's one of the reasons that teenagers sometimes do really stupid stuff. And sometimes it costs them big, big time. But, but guys, if you're 30 years old, if you're 40 years old, your brain's fully grown, so stop it, okay? Stop it. That's, that's not a reason for acting like a teenager any longer. There's, there's times to be cautious and assess the risk and reality. All right, let's go on to the next verse. There is precious treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man swallows it up. Now, Go back 2,500 years ago when Proverbs was written and, uh, you know, oil was an important item in the home for cooking, for lighting, for everything. And so what he's saying is here uh, a wise person takes care of stuff. They don't waste it. May not always be rich, but they manage. 
But a foolish person, he just gobbles it all up. He's always out because he, he doesn't know how to say no when it comes to spending. In other words, you see something and you whip out the credit card whether you have the money to pay for it or not. And so we run up all this debt. And, and do you know that debt is one of the things that couples argue about the most of spending and budget and money issues? And, and, and it's one of the things that leads to a lot of broken marriages, a lot of divorces, because people don't learn about how to manage money. And so the, the Bible says the foolish person, he, he's never going to have anything because he's always just blowing it. He blows through it. Um, our son, who's in his late 20s, had a friend who in his early 20s, let's say, came into a pretty good inheritance from his biological father. I don't remember the exact amount, two, three hundred thousand dollars. Pretty sizable amount. Within two years, every penny of it was gone, and he was having to sell some of the things he had bought with it to continue living. So it doesn't matter how much money or stuff anyone has, if they don't have some wisdom, it's not going to take care of them very long. So what do you know about money management? What do you know about what Scripture says about our attitudes toward financial issues and so on? All right. Um, and, and by the way, one of those regrets was wish they had saved more preparing for retirement. You know, I, well, it's all going to work out. Doesn't work, does it? It doesn't just work out. All right, next verse. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but he who walks wisely will be delivered. Now listen, doing those things that, that we care about and that you know, we're made to do, I'm, this is not arguing against that. What it's talking about here is our impulses. We just have within us these impulses, this, this tendency to, 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 to do stuff. And elsewhere the Bible says the heart is deceitfully wicked above all things your emotions your impulses can motivate you to do all kinds of crazy stuff in the moment and to live by emotion rather than principle is a dangerous way to live so what are the principles that direct how you approach life what are those values those priorities what are those bedrocks in your life that keep you grounded so that in an intense emotional environment you have something to fall back on so you won't make a spontaneous impulsive decision that you're going to regret later that's one of the great values of, of being a devout christian is because you can have some of those things built into your life and it just makes a difference emotion remember one of the regrets was people you know marrying the wrong person it's, it's because if you begin dating, let, let, those, of you, I don't know, those of you who are single, listen to me. When you look at someone, if that person is not the kind of person you want to spend the rest of your life with, don't go out with them the first time. Okay, Just a word to the wise. Because you begin dating, and then in today's culture you become physical, and all of a sudden the emotion takes over, and your brain shuts down. And then a few months or a few years later, the emotional high is over and the brain kicks back in. It's too late. 
So the heart, the impulses, the emotions, what are those bedrock values, those principles, those guidelines in your life? And I'm looking at the clock, and I've got to wrap this up. Get you all back to work so you can make some money and retire someday. All right, next verse real quickly. I want to look at this one. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companions of fools suffer harm. Who you hang out with all the time matters. And by the way, who you want to learn from in your career, who you want to learn from in terms of how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife, how to be a good parent, who you want to learn from in terms of how to be a good student matters. Who are your mentors? Who are the people you are inviting to invest in you, inviting? You're you're saying, I'm allowing you into my life because you've got it together. You know how to do it. I want to learn from you because you can't learn how to do something the right way from people who haven't figured it out yet. So who you hang out with matters. All right, because we're out of time, um, Guys, go, go to Proverbs 15, verse 5. This is a, a verse for the young people here. Okay, that's enough. Uh, go to Proverbs 1-7. Did you read that? It's what Jesus said. Remember Jesus said, the one who listens to me, he hears my words and then he acts on it. He's like a smart guy who builds his house on a good foundation. Well, that's, that's in essence what the Old Testament book of Proverbs is saying is that when you have that reverence for God, that fear of God, so you listen and you, and you take that in and you do something with it, that's where wisdom starts. Um, three years ago, on July 4 weekend, over 500 motorcycle riders got together in upstate New York and went on a ride to protest New York State law requiring bikers to wear helmets. Now, I know people feel differently about that issue, but that's what they were doing. They were, they were riding without helmets, 500 of them, uh, protesting the state law on wearing helmets. And one of them, a 55-year-old dad, riding his 1983 Harley Davidson, hit his brakes, his bike fishtailed, and he flew headfirst over the handlebar, struck his head on the pavement. His skull was fractured, and just a little while later at the hospital, he died. And if he'd been wearing his helmet, he would have lived. Now, I'm not taking a position on this, although I'm not getting on a motorcycle without a helmet. So, But... Uh, but it's, do you get the irony? You get the irony in that story. Hmm. A motorcycle ride protesting a state law on wearing helmets, and he dies as a result. You get the irony of that? And sometimes, as human beings, we're sort of like that when it comes to all these things that are intended to protect us in life. All these biblical principles, all these good lessons in life, all these planning tools, all, all, all the, the people in your life who are trying to encourage you to, you know, hey, let's think a little bit about this. Sometimes we're like, you know, that motorcycle, and we're just going to protest, and we're going to protest, and we're going to argue with God, and we're going to argue with Scripture, and we're going to argue with this, and we're going to argue with that, and the whole time it's, it's, it's trying to protect us. And what God wants God doesn't want you flying over the over the handlebars of the motorcycle. But secondly, sometimes life gets rough and you're going to wreck and you're going to fly over the handlebars. So to speak, God wants you wearing a helmet when that happens so you don't kill yourself. And so he's saying because he cares about you, listen, learn because the wise increase 
and understanding. They learn. But a fool says, I already know it all. So, how smart are you? Y'all have a great day. Thanks for coming today.